This show contains four-letter words and adult situations. But what did you expect? It's called Now That I'm Older. How do you get people that are prettier than you? Because you're not a pretty man. Uh, I am a pretty man. man. No, you're I'm not. not skinny. I'm pretty. No, you're not. You're not pretty at all. I am totally pretty. Okay. Let me clarify something for you, though. If this situation ever did come up, and somehow in some sort of mysterious, crazy pants, otherworld land, we did decide to do this. I would never tell you about this. Oh, you shouldn't. <laughs> I wouldn't tell me. Either. First off, I am six foot three, 240 pounds of man. Who's raping me? Terry Crews could rape you. Sorry about my shit intro. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Now That I'm Older with Shane Smith and Ken Baldwin. A.K.A. KB Paperstacks, A.K.A. Baldwin Escobar, A.K.A. Danger Zone, A.K.A. Vanilla Thriller, and A.K.A. MC Killer B. No one calls you any of that. There are a few moments in a musician's life more important than the very first demo you record. That first time you hear your music playing through the speakers in the studio and you realize all that time you spent in a practice space, learning how to play these songs with your band, sweating with the other guys or girls in your band, having to deal with your wife or your girlfriend or your husband or your boyfriend saying, you know, I really support you, but I just really wish you were here with me right now. Couldn't you just hang out tonight? You don't have to go to practice tonight, do you? Or your friends who did their best to be really supportive. They'd be like, you know, I mean, you could just skip out on one practice, right? And as soon as you hear that music the very first time on your very first demo, all of it comes together. You realize that all those sacrifices were actually for something. Well, I've recorded my drums many, many different times. I've gone into the studio many different times. I've recorded my drums in tons of different studios with lots of different bands. But the time that stands out for me the most was the very last time that I ever was going to make a demo. See, my band at the time, Code Adam, had just added a brand new guitar player, and we'd written a few songs, and we were like, we've got to get into the studio. So we start asking our friends, you know, what's the best studio we could go to? Some of the other bands who've recorded recently, and everybody keeps coming back to this one name, we'll call him Corey. And this guy, Corey, was in the music scene in Atlanta, and he was the shit. Everybody went to him. We had some of our best friends all go to him and record, and all the music that was coming out of the studio sounded amazing. We talked together, the band, and we said, you know what? Let's go sit down and talk to Corey. Let's make sure this happens. Let's make sure this is actually put together. Let's get a demo done by Corey and be one of these bands who has a great sounding demo. So we'd go to sit down with Corey. We have about a two-hour long conversation. He's a really dope guy. He just sits down and starts walking us through the paces. He's got the full-size studio. He's in a, a nationally signed band and stuff like that. And he's telling us all about, you know, what he's done on the road and different tricks that he can use to get our music recorded correctly. And he says, okay, and the price for each song on the, on the demo is going to be $1,000 per song. Now, for everybody in my band at that moment, we are all early 30s, late 20s, and we're like, $1,000 a song is basically like Zuckerberg money. Nobody in the band has that kind of money. But we say, you know what? This is the price of doing business. This is the price of getting a good demo. So we're going to go ahead and put that money together. We tell Corey, hey, we need to wait about three months before we can get this done. All of us are going to save up our money. All of us are going to do everything we can to put it together and make sure that when we get in here, we can pay you. We'll pay you half up front and we'll pay you half when everything's over with. And he says, that's perfect. 
and we go off on our own and we sit down and practice and we start writing more songs and we start saving our pennies and we're writing songs and we're saving our pennies and we're feeling great about recording with Corey. Friends of ours are getting demos out of Corey's studio right now. Everything is going great. We just know this is going to be our ticket with this new guitar player and a new demo in our hand and these new songs we're recording. We may get a deal. We may get signed that one magical thing that every person who's ever been in a local band wants, which is to play your music for a living. That could really happen if we get this demo. Well, three months go by and we spend that time perfecting these songs. The four songs we had written or the three songs we had written. We write three more songs. We got six and we call up Corey and we say, we are ready to record. We are ready to put that demo together that we just know is going to be our ticket out of Atlanta and into the national scene. And Corey says, that's great, guys. I want to come sit with you guys at your practice pace, but I want to bring my manager with me. I've got a business manager, and I want him to come with me so we can discuss a few things. Now, that sounded a little bit weird because the first time we went to go sit down with Corey at his studio, everything was great. Everything was normal. It was like a bunch of bros hanging out and just having a conversation. And he says, I'm going to bring my business manager. Don't worry about it. Everything's going to be fine. So the day that Corey's supposed to come over, he comes over to my, my house, which was where our practice space was. And this short guy walks in with him. Corey's kind of a tall guy, got longer, dark hair, dressed in a t-shirt and some jeans. Everything looks fine. He looks like one of the guys who's hanging out in the music scene, whereas the business manager has on a suit and like a nice crisp shirt and a tie. And he walks in and suddenly he's doing most of the talking for Corey. We're saying, hey, we got the songs ready to go. The business manager's like, that's good. How many songs do you guys have ready to, uh, to record? And we start telling him, and he's like, well, how long do you think the songs are going to be? We play through a few of the songs. Corey gives us a little bit of feedback about them, and we get to the very end of the whole conversation. The business manager's doing most of the talking for Corey. It's kind of weird. For all of us in the room, we keep looking at each other like the people in my band are like, what the hell is going on here? And we get to the very end of the practice session, and uh, Corey says, I've got something that I want to discuss with you guys, and I think I'm going to let my business manager take over from here, which was weird because the business manager had already been talking. And the business manager says, well, there's been a little bit of a change. Since I've come on with Corey, we've looked at his prices for his studio, and we've realized that he is undercharging for his studio time. And instead of $1,000 per song, we're going to need to raise the price up to $1,500 per song. I am fucking livid. I say, what do you mean you want to change the price? Three months ago, the price was $1,000 per song. We weren't ready to go, but we had a handshake agreement that said we were going to record for $1,000 per song. And the business manager puts his hand up and says, well, I'm sorry, Shane, all that's changed. It's now $1,500 per song. And we go back and forth and I'm sitting here just getting infuriated in my head at the idea that someone could basically what happened is we got to the register in Kroger and somebody ran over to us and goes, hey, you know, those steaks that you were going to pay six dollars a pound for Uh, they're fourteen dollars a pound now. Sorry about that, but that's just the way it is. And I go back and forth with this guy. I'm like, how the fuck can you change your prices on us when we're ready to record? And Corey doesn't talk at all. He lets the business manager handle it all. And at the end of the whole thing, we say, you know what, guys? I think we're going to have to talk about this. I think we're going to have to have a discussion to figure out if we want to do business with people who would be willing to change the price on us when we get to the fucking register. And they left my house. Now, there's no magical lesson to take from this other than the fact that there are some people out there who are just going to screw you over no matter what. And if they can get another dollar for themselves, they're going to go ahead and do that. At the end of the day, we absolutely did not record with Corey because we just thought that was dirty pool for somebody to show up and change the price on us when we were ready to check out. And we went and found somebody else to record that demo. And I got to say, that demo came out as one of the best ones we ever had. Those songs are still some of the favorites that I've ever recorded ever in my life. But I will never, ever forget that asshole changing the price 
as soon as we were ready to pay. Hey guys, welcome back to a show that remembers a time before Christian Bale was Batman, back when he was just an American psycho who really loved Huey Lewis in the news, or as we like to call it, Now That I'm Older, a show about how getting older sucks but can be awesome at the exact same time. You can find us online at nowthatimolder.com. We're also on Facebook as well as Google Play, Stitcher, and iTunes. Please rate, review, and subscribe to the show anywhere you find us online because that helps us out a lot. You can also find us on Twitter, Gmail, and Instagram, but it's at NTIOPod. And if you'd like to support the show, you can go to patreon.com slash nowthatimolder. And if you give to us, we're going to give right back to you. You can also find us on Twitter with the hashtag Potter and Family. Potter and Family is a family of podcasters that came together to cross-promote each other, spread the word about badass, independent podcasts, and create a family out of absolutely nothing. If you go to Twitter and check out the hashtag Potter and Family, you're going to find our show as well as the Wrestle Thoughts podcast, the Porno Plots podcast, and the Our Unicorn Diaries podcast. And this week on episode 206, we start out with just a little bit of controversy as Kenny tries to ambush me with some questions after my wife posted a hashtag on Facebook that caused all hell to break loose. Then we discuss a whole lot of other stuff, ranging from wrestling on box springs instead of mattresses, Kenny stealing somebody's weed, and how my old apartment used to be kind of a flop house where parties would just break out on a random Tuesday. So check it out. We'll be right back. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. We are tonight's entertainment. So I have some questions. Some updates going on in your life. A, I, I hear you're moving to the city. I am currently moving to the city. Um, this is something that came up just recently between me and Nikki. It was a uh, conversation. She came to me and said, you know, I've always wanted to live in the city. And since we got together, she's wanted to live in Atlanta. Like since she first moved here, she wanted to live like in the city and shit like that. And then she got with me and it was pretty much immediate family. And we had to move to the suburbs. We could have good schools and shit like that. And all that nonsense that you have to have when you're a parent. So now we're getting older, and it's like, yeah, well, fuck it, we're gonna move to the city. Now that we're older, thank you, Kenny. Just I get to play it. Second question: I, I hear uh, Nikki's a swinger now. Yeah, totally. Nikki's a swinger now. No, Nikki just had to shoot fuck with some people, put a hot wife on her uh, her Facebook thing. <laughs> yes, I, I heard about it. <laughs> <laughs> Who'd you hear about it from? Uh, Melissa asked me if she was if she knew what hot wife meant because Stephen King asked her apparently. I like the uh, the emoji that was uh, from Melissa Shepard on uh, on Nikki's page. It was like, oh my god! She was like, are they swingers? And I was like, well, I was like, I think either one of two things is going on. That there's two different definitions that are being used. A or Nikki's fucking with them because there's no way Shane's gonna let her fuck other people without him fucking other people, and there's no way Nikki could survive that. So <laughs> that was my whole take on it. It's like she doesn't even do well with the podcast. <laughs> so you don't you don't think Nikki would do well in this situation at all? You don't think she would thrive in a situation where she could have sex with someone else and I couldn't? I don't think she would be okay with having sex with other people. Honestly, I think the idea might appeal to her until she got there, and it would be one of those things like we're Homer. And Simpsons, every time the opportunity Cheetah Marsh comes and he just panics. 
that's what I think would happen. Because unlike on Family Guy, when uh, Lois had the opportunity to cheat on Bill or on, uh, Peter and cheated with Bill Clinton immediately, like immediately fucked Bill Clinton. But it's like with it, certain people have anxiety levels that can't handle certain lifestyles. <laughs> and, and like I said, Nikki has a hard time with the two or three hours every two weeks we put into this podcast. Um, she does have a little bit of separation anxiety sometimes when I'm hanging out. But luckily today she's off doing stuff with her dad and things like that. So it's not a big deal. But it really was a situation where I was like, are you sure you want to put that there? Because I mean, I, I know what you're doing. I know you're fucking with people. But do you want like people to start asking? She's like, I don't give a shit. She's like, you know what I'm doing. I'm just saying I'm a hot wife. It's not like that. I'm not like letting other people bang me and stuff. <laughs> That's totally what people are taking it as. So, oh, and you're supposed to watch. <laughs> oh really? I'm supposed to watch. Yeah. Who said that I'm supposed to watch? I looked up on Urban Dictionary. <laughs> I wanted to make sure I had everything. You know, I knew all the definitions too before I started making up my little plot to ambush you this morning. <laughs> so you wanted to ambush me with questions? I'm really, about I'm so, I'm, I'm so disappointed that you're ahead of this. Really? You're, you're disappointed that I already knew I was hoping was you didn't on. even know the thread was out there. Oh, no, I did. As soon as I saw the pictures and I saw the hashtags, I was like, Nikki, come on. <laughs> you know good and goddamn well this is going to create questions. <laughs> now, uh, let me let me go ahead and just clarify something for you. I was hoping you were playing football. Let me clarify something for you, though. If this situation ever did come up and somehow in some sort of mysterious, crazy pants, otherworld land, we did decide to do this. I would never tell you about this. Oh, you shouldn't. <laughs> I wouldn't tell me. <laughs> I think every listener, me, everyone in the world agrees with that, that tactical maneuver. <laughs> Simply because my mom listens to this podcast, okay? Oh, I would leverage that power. <laughs> I'm not doing a podcast unless I have a massage. Unless your mom needs to find out about your swinging days. <laughs> Darlene! Um, Darlene, you know, I was always your favorite. Um, I would never swing, but Shane is. So I'm the favorite. Cause I have other people to call when I'm in trouble. Um, <laughs> I only showed up when I was sweet and innocent looking. Yeah. I would never tell you about this because the first thing you would do if, if I did is run and tell Steven. <laughs> why are you texting? <laughs> no one, no one. Let's see your phone. No. <laughs> You'd be doing a conference call while I was on the phone with you. <laughs> your phone would ring. So, <laughs> Steven's calling me. I wonder why. What the fuck do you mean you're swearing? <laughs> I'm telling mom. <laughs> exactly. So, this is why in this other world, crazy pants, bizarre world, you would never find out that this was happening because you can't keep a goddamn secret. You never have been able to. You never will be able to. It's just that way. And you would have way too much glee. Especially if there are jokes that can come out of it. I can't hold jokes in. It's not secrets. Like, if you got raped. <laughs> First off, I am six foot three, 240 pounds of man. Who's raping me? Terry Crews could rape you. Terry Crews could rape me. <laughs> And I don't think that it's going to go that way. He probably wouldn't because he's a big part of the Me Too movement. But <laughs> <laughs> that dude played a drum set with his muscles. I, I, that for, shit freaked me out. First off, I don't want to ever think of Terry Crews doing anything to me, um, sexual <laughs> or otherwise. Um, I don't want to think of him assaulting me <laughs> in any way whatsoever. I don't even want to think of him being mad at me. Um, but yeah, like first off, no one's going to rape me. But I mean, so but if they did, I'd keep that secret because you can't make jokes about it because people would frown upon it. <laughs> you definitely can't make jokes about being raped and stuff. But I like could totally that. make jokes about you letting people bone your wife. <laughs> 
I was like, no. I was like, one thing I am absolutely certain of is that that relationship is not the kind where other people getting to fuck somebody is happening. I was like, nope. <laughs> so you just don't think we're that open? You, you don't think that we're that uh, no, sexually I both, free? I think you're both jealous. You think we're both jealous both assholes jealous when it comes to each <laughs> yeah. other? It's like, no. <laughs> well, first off, in that situation, like, there would have to be like a conversation because. There, let me let me just clarify for anybody listening who thinks that Nikki is off into hot wife land and I'm I'm watching her bang other dudes. I can assure you that's that is not happening. That's a valuable PlayStation Four time. <laughs> I can assure you that's not happening. Number one, number two. If this situation ever did come up, there's no way in fucking hell there would be a situation under the heavens where Nikki would be able to bang other people and I would be expected to stay home. Okay. <laughs> exactly. Let me go ahead and just I, That was my first argument. I was like, there's no way Shane's letting her bang other people if he's not getting to go out and troll too. So if anybody's listening. He's a Taurus. They don't do unfair things <laughs> if it's unfair for them. They will greatly take an unfair deal. <laughs> they're well, not going to accept one. Well, I might create an unfair deal for other people. Yeah, but. If they're dumb enough to take it, that's on them. Yeah, I can finish the sentence. I know how, I know how you operate. You don't have to be mean about it, sir. It's just if they don't want to take the deal that I'm giving them, that's up to I'm them. I'm not being mean. That's why I question everything. <laughs> why are you always question me so much? Well, <laughs> let me go back to podcast February 9th. <laughs> I love that, uh, that the first thing you did when Melissa responds to you and says, are they swingers now? <laughs> is you were like, no. <laughs> Are you stupid? Are you fucking crazy? Of course they're not swingers. Do you think Shane would allow other people to bang his wife? Have you met Shane? Have you met how bullheaded he is, like, for real? <laughs> it's like, I'm the only person Shane hangs out with outside his wife, and she still flips out after 45 minutes. So, no. There's no way Nikki mentally could survive a swinging relationship. Oh, God. If you guys went to one swinger party, it'd be, like, years of mental health. <laughs> well, I, we've known people in the past that have done that and stuff like that. And like, I bet you do. Some of Nikki's corny ass friends are probably way into. No, that. friends of ours that used to be into the music scene and shit like that. Well, them too. But yeah, we knew them. Those rich people are probably swingers. The ones that lived in Thailand. You don't live in Thailand unless you have weird sexual shit going on. I'm sorry, that's just a fact. Her friends that live in Thailand. Let me just go ahead and say, there's a disparity there. Okay, that dude. Like this first thing when well, I when you've I, explained I, it to me. Yeah, there is no disparity. Money makes up a lot of that. What you think is disparity. Let, let me let me walk it. Let me walk the listeners through it. When I walked into their house for this uh, Halloween party we went to, we didn't go to a house. We went to an estate in the exactly. middle of fucking like Virginia Highlands or some shit. When you okay? live, when you have an estate, you get a hotter wife than you should have otherwise. And I meet this guy, and he's like, um, imagine if the comic book guy from The Simpsons grew up. And wore like leather vests <laughs> and have long gray hair that he kept in a ponytail. Uh, she is with fucking a so many other dudes with a bolo tie. <laughs> Dude had a bolo tie. I, on. I, I, I'm, I'm, I've got the bolo in my head distinctly with the ponytail, with the, the long gray ponytail, looking like he might have been Native American, but we both know he's not Native American. <laughs> no. no. And his wife walks up. This dude is like six foot three, six foot two, something like that. Weighs like two forty. I mean, no, I'm sorry, like two sixty, two seventy. Like he's got a little bit of belly and stuff like that. She walks up. Girl's like five three weighs like a buck 10 and i was like dude you way out kicked your coverage <laughs> he out kicked if you coverage. didn't have money his money bought him a really good blocking team so he can kick wherever he wants to kick if you were dude, i work in buckhead there's a whole class 
in society where this is normal. This is completely normal in that upper, lower end of the upper class. Well, you did something like this for a little while when you were living with the mom and stuff like that. Like you didn't. Well, no shit. I, I hustled. Yeah, it wasn't hustling for you I'm necessarily. Hustle, hustle. I needed a house. I'm a hustler, baby. Um, you I needed a house. Rent. You needed a house and all that stuff. But I mean, you, first off, you weren't hustling necessarily. You didn't get to live in an estate. You get to live in like Kennesaw. I mean, okay? it's still, <laughs> yeah, still, you know, it's like twelve hundred bucks a month, dude. But still, like, I mean, there's a difference in what what she did, like, to get with the guy. Well, yeah, I'm not, like, I'm not a fucking broad. It's really, it's a lot tougher for dudes to hustle. So, in the Me Too movement era, are you saying that women are the no, only? No, now ones I that flip the switch. Advantage? Now I'm the one that that dates people prettier than me because I have money. How do you get people that are prettier than you? Because you're not a pretty man. Uh, I am a pretty man. man. No, you're I'm not. not skinny. I am pretty. No, you're not. You're not pretty at all. I am totally pretty. Okay. When I when at my funeral they'll be surrounded by beautiful women there. That's all I know. I'm very pretty. I'm I'm heavy set. Are they are those women gonna be there like to try and get a hold See, of See, women family? don't care about how thin you are as much as they care about how thin they are. You can't worry about weight too much because girls are really just, they don't care. Especially girls who are into the dad thing. So you're you're trying to be a daddy for people out there. I'm not trying to be anything, but if that's a need that you need to fill, is <laughs> is that the role that you're in with these girls? Like, because we talked about a girl who wanted you to wrap her in cellophane and stuff, or you wrap you get wrapped in cellophane and stuff. That was like the that one recently. of the older broads. So, but the question I'm asking is, are you using? Are, do you enter into like a dominant submissive like daddy? I don't do girl? dominant submissive things. See, there's a big misconception about the whole dominant submissive thing, and the thing is, being dominant's a lot of work. I mean, a lot of fucking work. So you have I, you have done this before. I've been, yeah, I've, I've experimented in that world. It wasn't very fun. Let's, let's unpack this. The chick that wanted to write me a cellophane was into that shit, and she wanted to go back and forth. And a, I was too big and strong for her to ever dominate me, so it never worked on that end. So she was and, she was what they call a switch, where she wanted to go back and forth. Yeah, yeah. She dominance. liked both. She liked to be dominated, and she liked to be dominant. That's weird to me. Like anybody who she like, wasn't good at being dominant. It's like, oh, I'm gonna tickle you with a feather. I was like, <laughs> Really? I'm going to beat the shit out of you with this belt in a minute. I don't think it's a domination. It's it's a mission of works. You don't think you just beat them with a belt. It's a special belt. It was a velvety belt. It wasn't like hard leather. So you could go at it with it. It doesn't hurt. Same thing with her cat at what nine. She had a cat at nine. What the hell? Cat of nine tails, you mean? Cat of nine tails, yeah. So basically, that thing didn't hurt at all. You can wow the shit. As a matter of fact, that's what it became. It became a wrestling prop in the household. <laughs> we used to have a little underground wrestling circuit there, too. And I was the big guy in the wrestling circuit. Like, it would have been great to have you there because we could have been the brothers of destruction. Because everybody else was like a buck 60. Like, there was one time I did a double choke slam on two dudes. We had like a bunch of box springs, no mattresses, just box springs, box springs in a big pattern. <laughs> and we took one of those uh, packing straps you put on trucks because the guys who lived there with us at the time were in construction. So they built us a ring <laughs> and they used one of those straps to tie the mat, the box springs all together. So like there was no give, give. in the middle. No, there was like so one what, solid. Do you guys ring. have any padding at all? No, I think we put quilts on top of the, the box springs. See, this is, you go to the, my wife is a, is a nurse, right? She doesn't work in the ER, but like you do hear horror stories from the ER. People no, what it was like, is we weren't doing like what we did when we were teenagers. We weren't like fighting with wrestling moves. See, I remember. Like, See, we didn't know how to sell. 
I remember legitimately getting taken down for a DDT by Jamie and hitting a concrete floor. Well, yeah, with my we, head. we were MMA each other, and I had a concussion legitimately for probably the, a day or two. In the wrestling world, we were what were called marks. <laughs> we thought this shit was like real. Now, what we were doing in the ring is we were selling. So when I would choke slam these kids, they would hold my arm. That's how you do a choke slam properly. I'm throwing them down. They slam their feet on the mat. Because we put like plywood on top of the, of the box springs, they're slamming their feet a split second before you let go of their. You're actually they're letting go of your wrist. So to sell a choke slam, you pick them up. As you go down, you make sure you stiffen your arm. So you're really not slamming at all. You're doing the exact opposite. You're lifting. <laughs> Does that make sense? Yeah. But it looks like you're slamming because your muscles are all tightened because you're holding them up. So it looks like you're just slamming them. They slam both feet down as hard as they can, and that's your signal to let go. And they let go. And it, if you do it right, it looks like you killed somebody. You and I and used to, to legit choke slam people into mattresses where we wanted on. to see their body. Crumble. Yeah, well, we were trying. We were, right, we we were, were trying to get them to bounce like five feet in the air <laughs> we off of a mattress. Breaking, we weren't breaking nothing as far as the fall goes. This worked so well that I was still in a theater back then. I was right. doing Dracula. And one of my buddies I lived with, whose mom I was banging, <laughs> he was my assistant at Dracula. He did, like, the effects and shit. One day, we w- we had a fake scuffle. And it was on a soundstage. So he was like, do a choke slam. <laughs> and I was like, all right. They were like, so y'all do wrestling? And we're like, yeah, we do wrestling. And they were like, show us something. So we did a couple of fake forearms. And I picked him up. And I used to hold people up for a minute while we were doing the choke slam. And then when I laid it, because it was on a theater with a hollow undercut to it. Right. It sounded it huge. Like, <laughs> and he sold it good and it was perfect. Everybody was like, oh my God. Like everybody in the you theater, just killed it. The people in the theater freaked the fuck out. And he jumped up and he was like, no, no, it's okay. Everybody. Calm down. My God, this man's got a family. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Call the so, damn match. It was awesome. It was absolutely awesome. Well, during, during that time period when you were doing that, when you, because... For everybody who's listening right now, Kenny, this was during a time where he just disappeared. Like, I was like, it was from when I was like 22 to 25. Wait, he just disappeared for a little while. And we would see him from time to time. The drama of the group got crazy. The drama of the group got too much. So I kind of like bailed on the group. So at random points during our 20s, Kenny would just disappear at odd times for no reason, for a couple of months, for a couple of years, and he would just be gone. We'd see him here and there, but he would just disappear, and then randomly he'd show back up. Next up, we're going to run to a quick promo break, but when we get back, we're going to discuss why Kenny disappeared this time, and later on, we're going to talk about him punishing a guy who was in our group of friends for being an absolute dick. So check it out. We'll be right back. We'll be right back. From the chilling music of one of the most captivating serial killers from the past 100 years to the fear and witch hunt surrounding satanic panic in the 80s, these are the stories that are begging to be told. Join me, Aiden Wolf, as we look at some of the tales from the underbelly of the entertainment industry on the dark corner of radio. You can find The Dark Corner of Radio anywhere you download your favorite podcast or on my website, aidenwolf.ca. Have you ever wished you could get extra now that I'm older? Well, now you're in luck because if you go to patreon.com slash now that I'm older, sign up to the $10 level, you'll be able to hear Patreon exclusive content with stuff just like this. Why would 
would you have fetuses as toys? In what sort of Russian nightmare cartoon do you have fetuses as toys? Kenny hates little children. Kenny hates happiness. Especially children. Kenny hates pretty much everything. So I hate happiness. I just hate other people's happiness. I just, I know we're not supposed to get political on now that I'm older, but what the fuck is going on? So go to patreon.com slash now that I'm older, sign up to the $10 level, and you'll be able to check out our Patreon exclusives every single time we drop one. You're hit. You're bleeding, man. I ain't got time to bleed. This week on the Netflix and Swill podcast. It's 11-11. Make a wish. Uh, I wish I was dead. I wish I was dead. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> you the lid to my pot. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> Blooper episode. Uh, <laughs> so check out our show on Podbean, iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play Music. We are green from head to toe. Now we go back to the show. Well, the group back then, our little group of friends, got to a point where everybody started banging everybody. Yeah, it was then just we weird. Di- then we discovered drinking. And when I say discovered drinking, I mean like we really discovered drinking. And everybody was hanging out at people's houses. And suddenly it became way more drama than was necessary to hang out with each other. So Kenny, for a little while, kind of did the staying thing back in the WCW days where he went up to the rafters for a little while and just disappeared. And <laughs> this like, is right out. after I took that kid's weed at David's house. Go ahead and recap the story for people who haven't heard that story. Like, it was from somebody six that worked with. Ago. It was somebody from David and um, David and Telvis's work, and they worked at Dave and Buster's. I think it was a guy who was a waiter. He went to high school with us. It's the kid who used to all his shit when role playing and made him cry at the lunch table. Right. Same kid. So he's over there and he started smoking weed in front of people. Like you know how the group mentality of our group went. You didn't smoke weed by yourself. You hit the you hit the joint. You pass it to the left and you move forward. Like we all had weed. So it's like, that's what we did, you know? So this kid would, he was like, come home, but he wanted to like live like as if he lived by himself. He's like, I just like to come home and smoke a joint or two, get high. Then we can talk about other people smoking. And I was like, okay, bro. And he went to the bathroom and was like, time to go. <laughs> I got up and took his joint. And I got like a phone call five minutes later. Did you see my joint? Yeah, I took it when, when we left. <laughs> what do you mean you took it? You were being a dick, so I took your weed. What do you mean you took I was like, how much more of this do you need an explanation on? I took your weed. There's nothing you can do about it. You can't call the cops, and you can't fight. So I took your weed. Don't smoke your weed in front of a bunch of people and being a dick like that again. Go so live here. I don't care where you live. <laughs> you sleep on the couch in my friend's apartment. You pick to live in the place where we all hang out. I remember like there being more than one time where, cause during the time Paul was the drug dealer for, um, for the group and stuff like that. Like he was selling pot to everybody. So I would get more than one time a week. Somebody I'd get this knock on the door, like the bang and just beating on the door. <coughs> and I'd be like, um, Paul, no, th- that's probably a so-and-so. Um, what did you do to so-and-so? Well, he wants he wants some money back for something I sold him. Probably because I'm short. Exactly. So I'd get those kind of shits all the time. I had you show up at my door one time when Paul lived there. 
um, wanting to whip his ass because that was had, a totally different time. He wasn't really selling much that time. He had just pissed me off and I showed up with a fire poker <laughs> <laughs> and you had like no resistance whatsoever. You were like, just make sure you kill him in his room. Fuck him. <laughs> Doesn't involve me. So, you, you open the door and stepped right out of the way. Let me come right here with a weapon. I just want to point that out. The shade offered no resistance. He kind of passively encouraged it in a way like, go ahead. <laughs> so don't, oh, don't trip on the step. <laughs> here's the question. Um, was this, wasn't this the time when he was, didn't he say he was going to bang some girl that you were with or did he bang some girl, not with, but like some girl you really liked or some shit? No, that was way earlier. That was before you lived in Creekwood. That was when you were D8. At D8, he, tra- he banged Carissa. Okay. And then I started buying weed and giving it away so people <laughs> wouldn't buy Paul's weed. So why did you come over? Okay, so the first I basically thing- went United States on Cuba. I placed a weed embargo on Paul, and then since I had no enforcement powers, I just gave away free weed so people wouldn't buy it. So here's the, the- – I, I attacked the weed economy. <laughs> so behind the scenes, here's what's happening. Um, we went from at my apartment, D8, where Paul was legit like the center of attention because he was everybody's connection to every night we had people over at the house. And this is back in my early 20s and shit. Like, Dude, we're talking like 10 people any given day in the living room. Oh, legit. I would get a call from somebody on a Tuesday and it'd be like, hey, um, Shane, I'm going to bring the uh, the SoCo over. And I was like, okay. So yeah. So so could you grab a, a 12-pack or maybe two 12-packs? Um, why would I need two twelve? I mean, this was a on Wednesday. A Tuesday. This is a normal middle. Yeah, it's like a day. Tuesday, Wednesday, like day. It would be like John. He'd be like, "Hey, man, um, you go ahead and grab two twelve packs. I'm gonna. There's, there's gonna be a few people over there. What's a few people? And why are you inviting people to my apartment, John? What's going on here? Why are you throwing a party <laughs> at my? Well, Paul said it was cool, and I would get this more than once because I at the time had a job, and Paul had gotten fired from his job, so he's chilling at the house holding court basically with all these people coming over to buy weed from him. So we went from that. Where there were tons of people in the place all the time, partying, throwing down, basically living like, you know, this is some sort of like night. And then Paul got arrogant from the power. Paul got arrogant from the power and crossed Ken Baldwin. And that's when everything came to a screeching halt. And that's when Paul decided that he was going to start buying large amounts of equally as terrible weed as Paul had at the time. And just giving it Kenny, away to people. Kenny. I bought it from the I same mean, Kenny, dude. I'm sorry, Kenny bought that. <laughs> Since Paul didn't have a car, and I was the only person that tolerated Paul other than when I needed weed, I was the guy who always had to drive Paul to buy his weed. So I knew the guy Paul got his weed from, so I called the guy up that day. When I, it, Paul didn't just try to sleep with her. He tried to sleep with her on my couch in my living oh, room. Oh, that's right. I remember it went because the layers went a little bit deeper. Now, this yeah. is a girl – this girl. I mean, everybody was fucking Carissa, so it's not like it was a big deal. But if you're going to fuck her, don't fuck her in my house. I remember one story where um, my guitar player from Code Adam back in the day, the first time he meets Carissa, <laughs> he sits in his truck. And Chris, if you're listening, I hope you love this. He says, he tells me the story later. Uh, goes, you're missing the story. It was over at David's house. No, he was over at David's house, but he's and sitting in the truck. He wasn't in the truck yet. He was walking. He met some girl at a party. And Chris isn't. The biggest ladies' man. No, back so, then he wasn't very confident so, when he came to the So limits. there's a girl throwing mad interest at him. And he's like, hey, I've got a band. You want to check out our CD? That's right. That's right. They're walking he goes, and I'm walking down the driveway. I guess, so what's your name? And she goes, my name's Carissa. And he goes, in my head, immediately was dun, dun, dun. <laughs> because this girl had a reputation around the group at the she time. She didn't just have a reputation. She's fucking batshit insane. And she was. And done it, more meth than some Midwestern states. As, <laughs> As I understand it, maybe still is. I don't know. I don't know her anymore. I, she's not a part of my life. I don't. I don't have any 
comments. But it was the funniest thing because this is another like this girl that Paul tried to fuck on the couch. This wasn't like a rare occurrence. Like this girl was always throwing it at people. Right. But Paul knew Kenny was into her. He knew he like he knew that Kenny was into her. And doing this at Kenny's house was a huge breach well, like, of trust. It was like in the beginning of us knowing this girl. We didn't know how much of a hoe she was yet. No, no, like this no. was like this probably in the long term saved me a lot of trouble, but that's not how you look at things in the moment. No, no, like back in the day, was, we and that's why people were like, "Why aren't you mad at her?" And I was like, "Fuck her, she doesn't matter anymore. She doesn't even know that I was into her." Like at the, at the it, moment, it, 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 it didn't doesn't matter. It doesn't matter at all anymore. She's irrelevant from this point forward. She's gone. But you were supposed to be my homeboy, and you went and fucked me over. She had no. She's not important. But there, you, you, getting rid of you is a lot bigger of a problem than getting rid of her. Was that line from the? Uh, Oh, from a fucking um, that's purely original. I don't know. Any no, I'm talk, no, I'm talking about the line from uh, I want to say it's Dre Day, where he's like, "Used to be my homie, used to be my ace. Now I'm gonna have to slap the taste out your mouth." I mean, that's basically how. And then Paul found out I was pissed and tried to come over to my house, all tough guy. And that's when he got thrown the fuck out. <laughs> didn't didn't I drive him over there to do the tough guy thing? Yeah, and then you laughed at him as I threw him out. So I think you set him up personally. <laughs> well, there was a lot of this where I was like, Paul, you know you're in the wrong for all of this, right? Like, you're in the wrong for trying to bang her. That's just not cool. This is right after he had thrown a major fit about fucking one of our other friends fucking the herpy girl. Herpy. Oh, that's right. He went and busted in their shower. He did. They were in the shower. We had these friends. Um, Paul had gotten with this girl, and he was like super into this chick. She was like really annoying, used to dance all the time, and she talked about wanting to be a famous dancer, and we were all like, you're not very good at it. Um, but like he was – he was <laughs> Not very good at it is the <laughs> biggest undersell of this whole podcast episode. <laughs> that girl looked like a retarded chipmunk. Like she was great at like rave dancing. Like, like I saw a, a special where they showed what happens to a mouse after a viper bites it. And like that's what she looked like when she was a snake. Like rattlesnakes aren't like fucking anacondas and boas. They don't bite it and like struggle with it. They like sn- hit that motherfucker and then go about their business for a while. And then come back. And wait for it to do it. Wait for it to die. And while it's dying, it's all like convulsing and having like these seizures. And I'm like, eh, it's Alicia dancing. <laughs> it's Alicia dancing. <laughs> so Paul was into this chick, Alicia. And suddenly like Alicia realizes. Not cute either. No. She had curves in all the wrong places. Yeah. Her curves were odd back then. It was just a thing. It was a thing. But Paul was into this chick. They break up. Like she breaks up with him. And then. Um, she moves into this dude who just got a house from his parents. Moved into this other guy's house and starts hanging out with him. Well, so she needed a place to live. She, yeah, she was, a cou- <laughs> she was a couch surfer back then. It was just basically looking for a place. She lived in my place for a little while. And she shows up at our house all haughty at one point. Once, you need to give me all my stuff. And she had this. Uh, remember those terrible Papazon chairs? Yeah, We'd yeah. be like the big ass circle. The fucking nest looking thing. Yeah, well, you'd get into the chair. Like, it was comfortable for about the first 30 seconds you were in it. And after that, it was like, man, <laughs> fuck like, this ah, chair. Ah, my back. <laughs> man, fuck this chair. So she shows up at our house all pissed off, like banging on the door, going, give me my stuff. Give me my stuff. Paul opens the door. This is one of the times I'll give Paul credit. Opens the door, throws his, her clothes out of the door. You know, like it was immediately a stairwell. So he's throwing her clothes <laughs> over the stairwell. Then she steps out of the way. He takes her papa's on chair and basically tosses it over the steps <laughs> to where it rolls down into the parking lot. Yeah, it didn't go that well for him when he came to my house. So th- then he leaves later on that day. He finds something out like later on that afternoon. I'm like, goes over to their house and barges into his, into that dude's shower. <laughs> And he was in the right for that because she had cheated on him with that other guy that she'd moved in with. So I felt like, you know, he's justified there. So then he comes over to your house and decides that he wants to be all haughty and be all tough. And I believe you you basically told him you'll knock him the fuck out of your house if you need to. <laughs> I told him he could walk out of this house or I could throw him out of the house after I beat the shit out of him. 
And Paul, of course, backed down because Paul got the shit smacked out of him a few times. He actually got cut across the forehead by Adam. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but like, really, we would wrestle around and shit. And every now and then, Paul would start trying to get badass, and Paul would have to find out he does not have the same muscle mass as most of us. Well, Paul, Paul was, was tall, but Paul was not strong. Paul was one of those guys, and this was what Paul's claim to fame was: man in Florida. <laughs> I used to do. Uh, I used to do like he was a like, kickboxer, and kickboxing, like a mixed fighter. martial arts. And I had like a twenty-two and seven record. Yeah, he was great. Against who? <laughs> what midgets were you fighting in Florida? Because I, I can powerbomb you. So, dude, every time me and Paul would get it, like I came. I remember one time we were hanging out at the house, and Paul had said something really, really shitty to me earlier in the week, and it was one of those things where, like, you know, you need this person to pay rent. So instead of reacting right that moment, you decide you're going to file that shit away. So that week, uh, he had said something really shitty to me on Monday. I forget what he'd said to me. But on that Friday, we had a party. And I'd gotten good and drunk. <laughs> and I come walking around the corner, and Paul's head is hanging off the side of the couch. I remember that. <laughs> and I drew back, and I popped Paul on the side of his head. <laughs> like, like, he was... Like legit, I popped him across the side of his head. Like you used to whoop your little brother's ass when he said he was going to tell on you. <laughs> like that's how I pop Paul. And he pops up like he was fucked up and he pops up like, who the fuck just hit me? And I was like, I have no idea, dude, because I jumped back down the hallway as soon as I hit him. I mean, I was like, I don't know who hit you, man. I'm so sorry about that. I just don't know why people think it's a good idea to try to wrestle with somebody who hit 200 pounds at 12. Cause like we get on the ground wrestling and shit. And like even Jamie is like, once I get my hands around your waist, you're just a sack of potatoes at that point. <laughs> and I'm just going to throw you around. I mean, I had to get you in the swimming pool to get you up, but I got you out of the water when you were well, big, when you act when you were three plus. Well, you and I, let, let's be honest. You and I back in the day had this whole healthy. Um, that was the Kevin Nash uh, giant angle. <laughs> you and I had a very healthy respect for each other where it was like, listen. I'm not going to fuck with, we had a friend named Tommy who was the same way. Tommy was one of those kids that like, he could, he could thump the bottom of a Coke can and break through it with his finger. That's how hard he could thump. And I told Tommy the first time I met him and I saw him do something like this, I said, Tommy, if you thump me like that, I'm going to whoop your ass. We're going to fight. I was like, I may lose, but I promise you, you are not just going to thump me like that. There are going to be consequences. And me and Tommy had a healthy respect for each other and we never got into any tussles. You and I had a healthy respect for each other, never got into any tussles. Plenty of my friends wanted to test me. I remember slamming Jamie more than one time and being like, dude, you can keep getting up, but I swear to God, I'm going to put you back down. Angry little Tyrannosaurus Rex. Little short ass arms. <laughs> Our friend Jamie was 14 was like the first a, time I met him. He was like an Irish cartoon character. He so was. He was seeing the little feet just. Fit. <laughs> he looked like a South Park character with a face. He really did. He did a backflip the first time I met him, and I was like, "Dude, are your legs even long enough to get the rotation to do this?" <laughs> That's how he could do it. <laughs> Those centrifugal force. He would just them. tuck his legs and then drop them. Whoop, like, whoop, whoop. What the hell's wrong with you, sir? <laughs> Man, uh, I'd love to Jamie, though. He's a, uh, his, damn, how old would he have been now? He's coming up on his birthday again. Probably like 37. Yeah, 37. Too bad he ended up homeless and hooked on fucking drugs and Lost shit. Lost his teeth and then <laughs> fucking his brain just quit working and he died. Well, that's a, they say it was, it was involved in one of those random walk up and punch somebody things. I, I like, don't uh, think so. I was like, I, I know, bet it was Jamie. a bad drug do- deal. I know Jamie. <laughs> I know Jamie's mouth. I re- our friend Jamie was one of those kind of guys. I've told the uh, intro story one time where I was sitting there hanging out with Jamie. And Jamie started like, you know exactly what I'm talking Tell about. Tell me when you roasted that kid. No. 
when we're sitting there hanging out, that was that was a good time. Isn't it funny that kid because he had a visor on? He said, you have half my hat. <laughs> and we called that kid Shiny Pants from that moment on. Funny Pants. Funny Pants because Jamie made fun of his pants. Um, he, got, he made that kid cry. He did. <laughs> so Jamie had a notorious streak for sitting there and fucking with people. Well, Jamie got over to my house one night. We were all drinking vodka. And we had the big-ass fucking handle of fucking Sky Vodka. And we're all getting into it. We're drinking and shit like that. And Jamie starts roasting me. And Jamie starts getting into me and shit like that. So I remember being like, it was another one of those times where I was like, okay, I can either react right now and give him what he's looking for, or I can hold off for a few minutes and make this impactful. I speared Jamie a couple times from him talking shit. <laughs> no, nah, it wasn't even like, here's a thought. That's the difference of how we handled things. Shane's all tactically, do I strike now? I'm all just, ah! <laughs> I'm fucking Sun Tzu and shit over here. <laughs> well, Jamie could take a hit, so I could take well, my anger out. <laughs> well, Jamie, like, he keeps on going for a few minutes, and he gets off talking to somebody else or talking See, about somebody like, else. Dana and, and David would talk shit, but it would be just like, it was trailer park shit. Let's let's be honest. Dana and David were good, but yeah, they but like they I just great. grabbed them and throw them through a wall, and that's not going to satisfy my anger needs very well. Like I beat the shit out of David several times. Like we're da- talking like Hulk Hogan versus a jobber. David and I never came to blows because I think David was scared enough of me to know that if he did, it would be it would be a thing. I think I ripped his shirt off in one fight. <laughs> I remember. I actually remember you grabbing his shirt and ripping it when you guys were tussling and shit yeah, like I think that I, one time. Like grabbed it, ripped off his shirt, and threw him on. One of those mini flannel shirts that he wore back then. We were all set. No, it was a t-shirt. It was the shirt under it. I ripped the, the t-shirt because I grabbed it by the collar. That's if once you got the collar, you could totally rip the rest of the shirt. There's no real. Oh yeah, once it, that's that's so, why Hogan used to cut the collars. Yeah, the that's, why, that's why the color they got more and more cut as he got older. But uh, one time, him and I think Chris Strickland tried to like playing, not fighting, but like tried to jump me wrestling style. <laughs> and right about the time David said, Hey, be careful. Don't forget who we're. <laughs> Chris went, Yeah, I know who we're fucking with. I picked them both up <laughs> and did a power slam on both of them into the Bose little mattress blanket nest thing he used to sleep in <laughs> with the big purple gorilla they stole from David Musters. Where he looked like a homeless person. Yeah, and then the I had him in there. So I just started doing like the shoulder thrust you do when you have the guy in the, in on the, the corner. On the, no, in the corner. Yeah. And dude, they were all like, Ah! <laughs> Stop it, man. Stop it. Because <laughs> I was right in their stomachs. I had their stomach. And I was like, ah. I still remember wrestling over at John West's house where, um, like, it was 3 o'clock in the morning. And we had, like, mattresses pulled in the middle of the living room oh, of dude. the first apartment any of our friends had gotten. This was the first apartment, oh, the first nice. time any of our and, buddies. And that's, these are the exact times I'm talking about when we were marks. We weren't selling these. Oh, no. we, were, we were knocking the shit out of each other. We would get the figure four leg lock on people and just twist and Dude. pull at your ligaments and your legs until you fucking begged and pleaded yeah, for forgiveness. Me, I remember people put me trying to put me the figure forward. I would immediately grab for anything I could grab and like either pinch or bite. <laughs> You're not well, putting me in a figure four leg lock without me grabbing your nuts. Well, going back to the uh, Jamie story a second ago when he was uh, he was roasting on me and stuff like that and I decided I was going to be tactical. I waited about three or four minutes after he moved on to somebody else in the room and I had a glass that was half full of Sprite and half full of vodka and he was in the middle of just talking to somebody else, roasting somebody else and I took that entire glass and just went... <laughs> I remember that too. <laughs> right in his fucking face. It, it was great because it was like a full two or three minutes after he'd talk shit. Exactly. And he was and like, like what the fuck? <laughs> he wanted to fight me so bad that night. I was like, Jamie, I'll throw you right the fuck out of this house. I remember when he started getting real possessive about his guitar. 
Yeah. Like when we were all still new and we were all sharing instruments and shit. So we, I broke into his guitar case <laughs> and then told him about it, but we were in different cars. He was so mad. He was like hanging out of the car trying to like fight. And I'm like, dude, we're in traffic. Stop. You look silly. <laughs> Yelling out the window at him. He was so mad. I was like, but we got a good recording. You shouldn't be mad. I needed a company car piece to the, I was using Telvis's bass for the main recording. Yeah. That's when y'all was- were in higher. Fire, the, the band that was that would have been great if if, if uh it didn't suck <laughs> do we none of us knew how to play instruments back in that band it was just a, it was a it was a beginning band basically it was basically just a reason for us to make noise yeah <laughs> well there you have it folks <laughs> <laughs> 35 minutes of nothing we, we legit talked about me possibly being a swinger. <laughs> you were like, no. <laughs> I knew my analysis was dead on, too. I was like, there ain't no fucking way. <laughs> we came, we saw, we kicked its ass. That's it for Now That I'm Older this week, guys. Thank you so much for checking out the show. You can find us online, nowthatimolder.com, Facebook, Google Play, Stitcher, and iTunes. You can also find us on Twitter and Gmail, but it's at NTIO Pod. Check back next Thursday for a brand new episode. And as always, getting older sucks, but can be awesome at the same time. Have a great week. I whipped the shit out of her, too. She That's enough for this week, dude. We, we gotta go. <laughs> Any party thoughts? Yeah, you tune somebody up with a cat and tells you don't just start whacking the shit out of them. The world ain't all sunshine and rainbows. It's a very mean and nasty place, and I don't care how tough you are, it will beat you to your knees and keep you there permanently if you let it. You, me, or nobody is going to hit as hard as life. But it ain't about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward, how much you can take and keep moving forward. That's how winning is done.